Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 7. We will work this morning through verse 23 as we continue on in this series through Mark's Gospel. The message this morning is entitled, Dead Religion. I don't know if you have crazy neighbors... Maybe you do, maybe you don't, maybe you are the crazy neighbor. But just imagine with me for a second that you have a neighbor and they knock on your door one day and they say, listen, I'm having an issue with my car. I can't seem to get it started. You say, well, I'll come take a look at it and you go over and you look and They get in and they begin to turn the key and it starts clicking. If you've been around cars for any length of time, you know the problem is that there is likely a dead battery. And so you say to them, you know, you really need to replace your battery and then your car will work. And they say, oh, well, I think I'll just wash it today. You think, well, that's odd. Okay. They come over the next day and they say, listen, my, uh, my, my car won't start. They're like, I know. I've already told you, you need a new battery. It's going to be dead if you don't replace it. They say, oh, okay. I think I'll just wax my car today. And you think, I need new neighbors. We would look at that and we would think that is absolutely crazy. If you want the car to run, you replace the dead battery with a battery that actually works. You turn the key and the car cranks. But all they're worried about is what the car looks like on the outside. What's fascinating is that We're going to see in our text this morning that the religious leaders in Jesus' day were primarily focused on the external. They had very little care for what was going on internally, and Jesus is going to expose that in our text this morning. He's going to point our hearts to the realization that external transformation happens first with internal transformation. As we prepare to dive into the text this morning, you can write down these parallel passages that you'll see up on the screen this morning. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 28. Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through verse 54. These parallel in the other gospels, what we're going to read in Mark's gospel this morning. I want to encourage you in your own time with the Lord over the course of this next week to reflect on these truths that we discussed this morning and work through these parallel passages. It'll encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and my hope, my prayer is it will reemphasize what we discussed this morning as well. I want to read the text for us, Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 23. This is God's Word. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. 
For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, it's given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that is going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond <laughs> to your word, and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As you take notes this morning, I want to encourage you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in God's word. It's this truth. The message of the gospel is not do better. But you can't do better, so run to Jesus. I want you to notice the difference in those. The message of the gospel at its core is not you need to do better. It's the realization that you cannot do better and you desperately need Jesus, so run to him. 
In fact, Jesus is going to emphasize this reality as we work through the text this morning. As we've been in this series, we've been talking about not only miracles that God has performed through Jesus in power, but we've said as well that Jesus is teaching during this time in parables. We're going to encounter one of those once again in our text this morning, but to set it up, we see the situation going on with the Pharisees, with the scribes. Those were the religious leaders in the Jewish system. And so in verses 1 through 13, I want you to notice this focus of the Pharisees, of the scribes, on what's going externally with Jesus's disciples. As we look at this, I want you to pay attention to a couple of things that they valued. The Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders of Jesus's day, they valued tradition over God's word. Tradition over God's word, and they valued external over internal. So tradition over God's word, external over internal. Let's look at how they do that. It says in verse 1 that they gathered to Jesus. Remember that The Pharisees and the scribes, we've seen earlier in Mark's gospel, they don't like Jesus whatsoever. In fact, they are trying to trap him at every single turn. They're trying to come up with a reason to kill him. That's their objective. That's their motive in their heart, what they're desiring. And so they, at times, will come to Jesus and they will pick apart what's going on before them. In this particular situation, they pay attention to Jesus' disciples. In fact, it says in verse 2, they saw some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, hands that were not washed. Now, lest you think this is a sanitation issue that they were eating with unclean hands, some of you are thinking, I wash my hands before I eat. Listen. I just want to put that out there. How many of you grew up and you hardly ever washed your hands before you ate? Can we just be honest? How many of you see little kids, they, they are eating and they just reach across and get snot out of their nose and pick up their chicken nugget? You know what I'm talking about? Hear me this morning. That is not at all what they are addressing here with Jesus and his disciples, It's not that their hands were not sanitary. In fact, you're going to see as Mark continues to explore this a little bit that there were ceremonial perspectives on washing. This was more than just good hygiene. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly. Watch this. Holding to the tradition of the elders... When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions. He's about to lay on even more of these traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So we get this picture that this is more than just sanitary washing. This is more than them just washing their hands to be clean. In fact, it was simply a ceremonial type washing. And what we realize is that this is not what's prescribed in God's word, but the religious leaders, the scribes, had added to God's word. They had looked at God's word. That does spell out for Jesus and for 
his disciples how they are to wash, but recognize that in this moment, they have created a fence even for around that so that there were additional laws that they had added to it. And here's what's crazy. They treated those as if they were God's word. In fact, they had elevated their traditions, not only to the level of God's word, but even emphasized it more so than God's word. And so the religious leaders and the scribes are looking at Jesus and they're saying, why do your disciples not follow God's word? Why do they not follow what our elders have taught us about how we are to wash? In fact, at this point in time, they would have looked around and said, everyone should be doing this. Verse 5, Pharisees and the scribes said, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat, watch this, with defiled hands? They have elevated this issue to the fact that they are eating with the defiled hands, which means for them as Jews, they were no longer worthy to be in the presence of God because they were now defiled like the Gentiles. And in fact, what they would look at is they would say, if you go into the marketplace where Gentiles are, you have to come back home and you have to take an entire shower. You have to clean all of you because you don't want to be contaminated by the Gentiles. That's the perspective that they're operating from. But notice this. Jesus responds to them in verse 6 and says, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips. He's quoting from Isaiah. But watch this. Their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He says, listen, you are laying all of this out before the people as if this is God's law that you are holding them to, but in fact, what you are doing is quote unquote, honoring God with your lips. But notice he says, your heart is far from God. In this moment, he exposes, in fact, if you look in the other verses that I mentioned previously in the other gospel accounts, Jesus here in Mark seems not to push the issue very much, but in the other accounts, Jesus goes, if I could use a basketball analogy, hard in the paint. He says, you are nothing more than whitewashed tombs. Look good on the outside, but are dead inside. He says in verse 8, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. He says to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God. So think about this. Jesus is confronting them in this moment. He says, let me show you how you are not holding fast to the word of God. You've elevated your traditions above men. He says you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Verse 10, Moses said, Jesus is about to quote one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. Moses said, this is 
the law of God. Honor your father and your mother. Notice what he says about these religious leaders. They've created an exception moment here. They've said, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is, it is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. So watch what's happening here. Jesus is going to expose a situation that was very common for the religious leaders. He says, the word of God is clear. You are to honor your father and your mother. Right there in the Ten Commandments. No one would disagree with that. He says, but you have created an exception clause. In fact, what you've done is you've said to people, hey, listen, whatever it would cost you to support your parents as they're aging, as they're getting older, you can simply give that to God and then not have to take care of your parents. If you're a parent... Just think about which child would have taken up that offer. Which child of yours would have said, I'm signing up for that. But at this point in time, Jesus is exposing for them that their, their concern was not for God's word. It was for traditions that they had set up. And ultimately, those traditions that they had set up would glorify themselves more than they would glorify God. And all they were concerned about was how they looked externally more than how they looked internally. Jesus exposes that, but in verse 14, going through verse 23, he's going to highlight the focus on what's going on internally. He called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. Jesus is about to teach them in a parable. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. Remember, that was the concern of the scribes and the Pharisees. They said that the disciples' hands were defiled because they were unwashed. Therefore, they were defiling themselves by eating with unwashed hands. And Jesus says in this moment, no, it's not that that is outside coming in that defiles a person. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Verse 17, he had entered the house and left the people. His disciples asked him about the parable. I love this because they still don't quite get it. And Jesus is going to unpack for them what he's trying to help them understand in this teaching. So whereas the Pharisees and the scribes valued tradition over God's word and valued external over internal, Jesus valued God's word over tradition and the internal over the external. In fact, he says to them here, are you also without understanding? Do you not see that what Ever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled. Jesus has a bit of a human anatomy lesson with the disciples. 
says, listen, you eat something, and where does that go? It goes into your stomach. And what happens eventually after it goes through your stomach? We all get the point, right? Jesus just makes that clear. He says, it doesn't go into your heart. Therefore, it cannot defile you. But notice in verse 20, he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things, Jesus says, comes from within, and they defile a person. So notice the difference between Jesus and the religious leaders. The religious leaders are primarily concerned about what everyone sees, what's going on externally. Jesus says, I am primarily concerned with what's going on internally, what's going on in the heart. And I want you to understand this because it is vitally important to understand the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. The good news of Jesus is not do better and make the external look better. Parents, I just want to challenge you because if we're not careful, even as followers of Jesus, we will be primarily concerned with our kids doing the right things versus their hearts being transformed. We'll be more concerned by saying to them, you need to do better. You need to do better. You need to clean up what's going on externally. You need to fix that. You need to say, and the reality is, we must first go to their heart. Because Jesus says there, it's out of the heart that these external things happen. If I could explain this to you, I don't know if you have ever had two kids get in an argument with one another. I'm sure that doesn't happen at your house. But they get in an argument with one another and you say to one of them, you need to apologize to your sibling. You need to say, I'm sorry. You were wrong and you need to say, I'm sorry. Nine times out of 10, what happens? sorry. And what do we know in that moment? They're not sorry. They're simply saying the words externally so that we'll get off their backs, right? And they're like, no, you need to say it like you mean it. Well, what are we communicating to them? We understand it's a heart issue. That's what's going on in this moment. And Jesus here is highlighting for the religious leaders, but also for his disciples, that the external is not ultimately what defines our lives. It is what's going on internally that defines our lives. And in fact, you can be an incredibly religious person as the Pharisees and the scribes were. The external could look really, really good But as Jesus says about them, they were dead internally. It's important for us to recognize this because ultimately we have to ask 
a question. When we think about things from an eternal perspective, as we look at what Jesus is teaching here, as we look at this parable that he is sharing with his disciples, and as he's pointing them to elevate God's word over tradition and to elevate what's going on internally over what's happening externally, we have to step back for a second and take an internal perspective in this moment. Because this is not just a sanitized conversation moment. This goes to the heart of how someone can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is ultimately an eternal issue. Jesus is not saying to these religious leaders, hey, you guys have just missed it a little bit. He's saying to them, you have missed it completely. So what does God's word say? about true and lasting transformation. What does God's word say about true and lasting transformation? Well, first, true and lasting transformation begins, as Jesus highlights here and the scriptures relate for us, it begins with internal transformation. In fact, the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, would write this. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The problem that we have ultimately for every single human being is a sin problem. Our heart, God's word says, is desperately wicked. The prophet Ezekiel says it is a heart of stone, and the promise of God is that he will work to take out that heart of stone and to give us a heart of flesh, to put his spirit within us. So what we need is not simply external transformation. Let's do better. What we need is internal transformation. In fact, Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through verse 21. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, listen to this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, their sins against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. True and lasting transformation begins with internal transformation. 
Which means if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the message to you this morning is not do better. Because you can't. You cannot do enough good to earn your way into the favor of God. You can't try hard enough to earn God's favor and ultimately be declared righteous. It is impossible for you to do that. You say, Pastor, then what do I do? Run to Jesus. Because as God's word reminds us, he is the only one who did what we could not do, that is live a perfectly sinless life. And he took your sin and my sin upon himself on the cross and laid his life down, paying the debt that you owed and the debt that I owed. And he extends to you today forgiveness through his shed blood, through his resurrection. You can be reconciled to God. You can become a new creation in Christ today. If that's a step that you need to take in a little bit, I want to encourage you to let us walk you through that. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm already a follower of Jesus. I've already experienced that internal transformation. Can I remind you this morning that every single day that you wake up, there are people around you who have not experienced that internal transformation. There are people around you who desperately need to know that there is hope beyond just do better. They need to know who Jesus Christ is. The good news is he's placed you in their life. You who have experienced that internal transformation carry that message of hope, that good news of the gospel to them day in and day out. So be faithful to not say to them, clean up your act, do better, but to say to them, run to Jesus. As I thought through this this morning, this idea of internal transformation, it is, for lack of a better phrase, a heart transplant spiritually. That's what we experienced as followers of Jesus, is a heart transplant spiritually. And if you've been paying attention at all over the last couple of weeks with what's going on and Israel, what's going on in Gaza, it has been absolutely heartbreaking to see that play out. And we should absolutely pray for peace in that region. We should support those who are doing what's right and call for justice for those who are doing wrong. But can I press on us just a bit this morning as we think through that? The only true and lasting peace that will ever be accomplished is for their lives to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, we pray for all of those things that I mentioned, but, but ultimately we should pray for their salvation. You say, Pastor, are you talking about the terrorist? Yes, yes. 
Because what's amazing is that as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, who wrote that? The Apostle Paul, who before he met Jesus, for all accounts, was a terrorist. Who was persecuting Christians, putting them to death. Until his life was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because here's the second truth. Internal transformation will yield external transformation. If your life has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, your heart has been transformed, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in your life, you know what happens as a result of that? Your life changes. One of the most encouraging things that we've had the opportunity to see over the last few weeks on the back end of our baptism class that was taught and those who are preparing for baptism in a couple of weeks at our fall fest is to read their testimonies and to see the life transformation that they've experienced as a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for us as followers of Jesus... May the reality of what Christ has done in us transform what people around us see in our lives. May we live lives of godliness, of holiness, of righteousness in this world. Because lasting transformation in our lives begins internally, but it doesn't stop. It also shows to the world around us externally as well. I want to ask you if you'd bow your heads with me this morning. As our worship team makes their way back up, you'll notice as we close out our service, it'll be a little bit different this morning. In fact, we are going to sing an entire song as we close out our service this morning. And that is an effort to encourage us not only to respond to what we've heard but to give us time and opportunity to worship the Lord after we've heard his word proclaimed and so I want to encourage you this morning if you're here and not yet a follower of Jesus this is an opportunity for you to turn from your sin and to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to experience that internal transformation that ultimately will change your life. That's a step that you need to take and just a little bit as we sing, you come. Grab my hand or Pastor Cody's hand and just simply say, Jesus, we'll know that that's the step that you wanna take. Maybe you're already a follower of Jesus, and for you this morning, this is an opportunity to respond once again to God's Word, to be reminded of how amazing it is that you have experienced life transformation. And this is an opportunity for you simply to celebrate what God's done in your life. And to recommit once again that your life externally would match the internal transformation that's taken place. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to just simply spend some time in prayer before the Lord to cry out to Him. Our altar's open this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. 
God, would you remind us, encourage us with the truth? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, join us as we sing. Our altar's open, our pastors are down front.